So if you're the only Chinese American in your community, embrace it. If you're really interested in art outside of your sport, embrace it. Your differences matter and they should not be ignored. Um, they are seen and valued. The ways in which we are different lend strength in multidimensional spaces, which means we are better together. Just like this set of four different forms, each serving a unique purpose, but working best together. Hey there, you're listening to Virago Pod, a podcast that is dedicated to empowering and improving the physical and mental health of female athletes everywhere. This podcast is brought to you by The Virago Project, a nonprofit organization that helps female athletes balance sports with life. I'm your host, Emily McGee-Zeslowski. And I'm your co-host, Taylor Tracy. Let's jump right into the episode. Hi, Virago Warriors, and welcome back to episode 30 of Virago Pod. On today's episode, you are going to hear from this past Sunday's Sportswoman Create Art Exhibition. Um, this will be obviously audio only, so please take a look in our description below so you can take a look at all the art that our artists created. Um, it'll be a little form that says the little bios and the art that we all created. This week only, um, this art will be available to purchase um, by auction or some of them are for sale on our uh, on our website. So I have that link in the bio as well. Uh, the auction ends June 1st. So make sure you go on early, get your bids in, um, and listen to these awesome sportswoman stories that we're hearing today. Um, I love, 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 love this event that we had because it's a really nice reminder that, uh, again, you are more than an athlete. You your athlete identity does not define your whole identity and you have other talents, skills, hobbies, and just your general personality traits outside of your sport. Um, these artists of, are of all different skill. Um, we have one that was in displayed in the 2012 London Olympics. Um, her sculptures were displayed. And then we have another who's a high school athlete whose mom's an artist who um, now got into art, got into art um, just as a high schooler al already. So it is awesome hearing all these sportswomen share and be so open and vulnerable. There's also a giveaway from one of our artists, a Dear Coach book. Um, and you'll hear more about that. But if you share this episode uh, on your story and tag at the Virago Project, we'll also enter you for that giveaway. Um, so thank you all for your support and listening. Um, I can't wait for you to hear all these awesome sportswomen stories and what their art means to them. Uh, if you're listening from your phone or computer, I recommend just pulling up that link so you can um, see the art as well. But they do a really good job of describing it um, and it'll be in order as well. All right, that is it. Um, without further ado, I will start, um, I will start the event for you. All right, I'm gonna get started here. Welcome everyone to Sportswomen Create Virtual Art Exhibition and Fundraiser. My name is Taylor Tracy. I'm the founder of the Virago Project. Um, we have Emily McGee Zoslowski here too, who is our vice president, COO, and the brainchild of this entire idea, um, the person who came up with this idea. And we're so excited today to um, just celebrate women in sports, celebrate female athletes, women athletes, and to give them a space to, um, to talk about 
creativity and to talk about art and how it's helped them um, mentally as athletes um, on the court, on the field, but also just as people in life. Um, so today uh, we are going to have a fantastic night. Um, so a little bit about the Virago Project really quick before these amazing artists uh, and athletes present their work to you. Um, a little bit about us, uh, the Virago Project, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And our mission is to improve the physical and mental health of all sports women. The reason why we're here today, like I said, is to celebrate women athletes and showcase the fact that they're more than athletes. Uh, when we think about athletes a lot of the time, um, we think about this one-sided identity where they're just these physical creatures who are very competitive and are sports-centered, um, but we don't really think about them as dynamic and whole people often. So the point of this whole exhibition is to highlight the artistic, the creative side of athletes and to prove and show that um, we're, we're talented in so many different ways, um, but also to give them a chance to express themselves through art and to share their stories um, of sport through art. So there's that. And we also want to, we wanna highlight art therapy as an accessible resource for athletes. It is Mental Health Awareness Month, as many of you might know. Um, and this is one thing that the women who are presenting tonight um, art, they have found as a therapeutic method of uh, releasing some some energy and, um, and uh, just trying to express themselves. So before we get started, we do have a giveaway. Um, so if you guys don't follow us on Instagram, then please do right now. Uh, there is a coach, a dear coach book that we're giving away. Um, so take a, take a screenshot if you're on your phone or on a tablet of this event. Um, throw it up on your Instagram story. Take a picture um, of your laptop if you're if you're tuning in that way. Throw it up on your Instagram story. Tag us and let us know what you think about this event. And at the end, uh, we'll choose one of you to give away a really cool book to. All right. So we've already got some of our uh, featured art here on this slide, um, and we're about to dive right into it. This is our event itinerary for tonight. Um, so first up, we have a couple of guest speakers, Megan Marshall and Ariana Broerman. Afterwards, we're going to allow all 12 artists uh, to present their work and to share their stories with us. And then afterwards, please stick around because we'll have a 15 minute or so Q&A where you will be able to ask the artists questions. This is our timeline of presenting artists. And guests, um, if you're here with us today and you do plan to stay through the end um, until we all the way up into the point when we do our Q&A, um, these are just some questions that you may be wanting to think about as these artists present. They put a lot of thought and hard work into uh, the creations that you'll see here today. Um, but because we are marrying art and sport together. Um, we've created some questions uh, here that you can take a look at and maybe ask the artists later. So what role has sport played in your life? How has creativity benefited you as a sportswoman or an athlete and a person? You might want to ask the artist why they chose the specific theme that they did tonight. 
Um, and feel free to ask the artist at the end of this how this theme has impacted the artists themselves or the larger community of athletes. And last mention here, um, all of, not all of the work, excuse me, nine out of 12 of the works that you will see tonight are going to be for sale or for auction on our website. Uh, we will send a link to everyone after the event uh, with that will direct you to that storefront, our online storefront. Um, some of the work you see here tonight will be in an online auction that will end on June 1. Um, at 6 p.m. So you have until not this coming Tuesday, but next Tuesday to go bid on the work that you like. Um, or you will be able to buy the work directly from our online storefront um, as some of the works are not in the auction, but they are available for direct purchase. <laughs> All of the proceeds are going straight back into to the artist. 10% of each sale will be commissioned back to the Virago project for promo and for overhead. Um, but these artists have worked really, really hard and would love for you to purchase their work. So feel free to go to shoptheviragoproject.com and check out their, their, their work online. And with that said, let's dive right in. So first up, we have Megan Marshall, who will be doing a bit of spoken word for us. All right, so I wanted to mention before I read my piece that, um, yeah, my form of art is essentially writing and speaking. And at first you don't think like that's art, but to me it, it really has taken this healing role in my life as an athlete um, and with mental health. Um, so, you know, journal therapy um, can really help um, in a reflective way. And um, it can further mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health and wellness. So I just wanted to note that. And that an important quote um, that I love about owning your story and speaking your truth um, is from Brene Brown. And she says, you either walk into your story and own your truth, or you live outside of your story hustling for your worthiness. And I will say that as an athlete for so long, I felt like I was hustling for that worthiness and to fit that ideal uh, body figure and track and to fit, you know, society standards. Um, so the piece I'm going to read is actually a letter to my younger self. Um, and I found this so um, impactful, not only for myself, but many women that um, you know, may not have had a good experience in, in their college sport or any period of their sport. So I invite you to do this at some point, whether that, whether it be to yourself, whether it be to a younger um, girl or boy, I just find this to be so important as part of your journey. Um, so what if I were to tell you that you're going to face adversity in college, that your experience would be less than perfect? What if I were to tell you that you would come to hate running, that comparison would suck all the joy out of you, that your one true love would become deadly, but what if your story would eventually help others? Would you still go? You knew you were good, but the challenge of going to a division one school excited you. You were having people over to watch a movie in December when you just declared your intent over the phone. You just couldn't wait to be among the best, to come from a high school where only, where only a handful of athletes went on to play a sport in college. 
You always wanted to be unique coming from a family of four girls. You found something that made you stand out. It was something that you, that you felt gave you the recognition, recognition you always wanted and that felt reassuring. You were strong and sound in your identity, just like John Steinbeck says, and now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. You didn't feel the need to be perfect or to be a certain way. You flew your flag and it felt safe. College and everything that you, was portrayed to you on your recruiting trip sounded like that perfect next step. You felt like your choice was meant to be. The people, the location, the program all made sense to you. You overwhelmingly felt that you were in good hands. You didn't know what body image was, nor did anyone inform you that things may be different in college. I know when you're excited, you get nervous and quiet, but then you wait for your moment to shine and to be silly. You showed up on the first day of preseason as you always would. You felt confident, excited, and of course, nervous underneath it all. You wanted to fit in so badly. You never second guessed what you wore to run because you were a soccer player first, runner second. You strolled into practice wearing a loose fitted t-shirt and soccer shorts. Looking around the area where everyone met, you noticed the other girls. You were confused and surprised when you saw other bodies and what people wore. Um, they were different from you. You would have never thought about wearing a sports bra and spandex shorts to run in. Heck, you wore spandex underneath your running shorts when you competed. This atmosphere shocked you. Your confidence remained steady, but your sparkle was dulled. Your first injury, bet you didn't see that one coming. But then again, no one talked about getting injured on the team. It seemed like everyone was perfect. Developing multiple stress fractures your freshman year and needing surgery, your sophomore year was less than ideal for what you thought your college experience would be like. These injuries were unique, but the first you developed in your run running career. After all, you were a low mileage runner in high school. The thought of not running for a year was scary as hell. Like everything you ever loved was ripped out of your hands and you were left all alone to self-soothe and manage. A dark, dark shadow crept into your spirit. Not knowing what depression was hurt you. You lived in misery without telling anyone, smiles on the outside, chaos on the inside. It was during that time that you often weighed your value of life. Your sparkle dulled once more through surgery and all the cross training. There's only so much fun you can have while aqua jogging alone at 6 a.m. You tried your best to stay a part of the team atmosphere. Life wasn't the same when you couldn't talk about the hard workout or what you were going to pack for the away meet. Through the place of isolation, you wanted control over something, anything. Food became that something. Depression followed you, but it became second, pl second place. You became best friends with a friend you didn't want but couldn't get rid of. You had this overwhelming feeling like you were never enough, that you would never be fast enough or lean enough. The mold you were trying to fill wasn't a mold for you at all. When you came back, from summer break, sophomore year, after you developed an eating disorder and your coach said, that's what a real athlete looks like at preseason practice, you clung to it. You finally felt like you fit in and what you were doing to your body was paying off, that your body gave you value. Running fast that year meant putting your body through hell on the inside and outside. It meant feeding off any compliments about what your body looked like. It almost meant losing friends and shutting people out. It meant lying to the people you love the most. 
It also meant going through multiple cycles of injury, depression, and anxiety for the next six years of your life. You almost even quit the team after you had an anxiety attack. The thought of giving up control was scary. Happiness was never hard for you to find, but it was from then on. You looked at yourself in the mirror every day, wanting so badly to live a different life, to be free. Secrecy continued to hurt you. And at that point, you were a young professional, still searching for yourself and what you wanted to do for the rest of your life, but still battling an eating disorder that took over your life. It was at that point that your support circle began to form. The circle of people that aided in your recovery and overall healing, your faith and hope also created a place of healing, your husband, family, friends, former teammates, counselors, psychologists, and dietitians became the real life heroes. They were people that genuinely cared about you as a whole person. One thing that you searched for throughout your collegiate running career and your relationships was the concept of unconditional love. To be accepted for whoever you are, no matter what, no matter how fast or slow you ran, no matter how much body fat you had, these people changed what worth meant for you. You didn't feel the need to measure up any longer. And from that point on in 2016, you found a safe, you found it safe to start publicly sharing the secret that kept you hindered for so long. For a while, you could only say body image issues. Eating disorder was too tough and you were afraid, but each opportunity to share became freedom from deep wounds trying to heal. It wasn't easy and it still isn't easy because sharing about hard things takes courage. Transparency has changed you and you're so much more than a runner. And here you are, recovered, healthy, and happy. Years of counseling and sharing has got you here, but the journey never stops. With that became a strong desire and passion to change the culture that changed you to provide the opportunity for athletes to speak about the topics that are tough, to address the issues that many face as college athletes, to validate each individual story, to encourage the current and future athletes like you, and to preserve the joy that their sport brings. Each individual plays an important part of a team, including the coaches and staff. Imagine a culture where everyone is invested in the well-being of their teammates where there is no weakness in adversity. It's always easy to share about the good things in life, to post about successes you've had, to show off your six pack abs. <laughs> but where's the truth in that? All the flaws, injuries, bad days, and issues that we have make us who we are and they are gifts in disguise. To accept them is gold. So yes, the, the answer is yes, I would still go. That was awesome. Megan, thank you so much. So beautifully expressed. Wow. Um, all right. We are going to move on to our next speaker. Thank you so much, Megan, again. And next up, we have Ariana Broerman. Hi. Um, so first of all, I want to thank Taylor um, so much for inviting me to be part of this incredible evening. Um, and also Hannah Hemmerly for kind of coordinating me uh, into, uh, you know, Taylor knowing about me and um, what I'm going to be sharing tonight. So my name is Ariana Brorman. I'm a designer and an author living in Cincinnati. And I recently created this book, They Changed the Game, 
and it is they changed the game 50 stories and illustrations celebrating creativity in sports and it tells stories about pioneers athletes coaches um, individuals and teams who have transformed their sport um, society um, life in general all through either their gameplay or um, how they approached a sport, their activism, different ways that they thought creatively or they changed, they changed the world. Um, for me as a designer, creativity is certainly about artistic skill and artistic, artistic talent, but it's also more than that. It's about um, approaching life with a different mindset. It's about creative problem solving or thinking about things in a different way, expressing yourself, especially, um, and you know, for athletes, expressing yourself both on and off the field, which obviously is why we're gathered here tonight. Um, this idea of sharing in self-expression and how self-expression contributes to being more than just an athlete, um, celebrating women who are well-rounded in all aspects of their life, that they're not, um, that their identity is not solely focused on their physical capability. It's not just about performance and stats. Um, it's about having outside interests to complete your life. And it's with that in mind that I want to tell a story tonight about one of the athletes that we have featured in the book. Um, she's a woman who had to navigate her personal beliefs and her sport when those two um, as aspects of her life kind of um, started butting heads. And through her perseverance and her creativity, she changed her life and she's ultimately changing the lives of women everywhere. Uh, that woman is Kalsum Abdullah. She's a Pakistani American woman who's a devout Muslim. And in the early 2000s, she was studying for her master's in computer engineering. And while she was studying for that, she was also training for her black belt in um, Taekwondo. And through her training for Taekwondo, she took up weightlifting as a way for just extra strength training. And she completely fell in love with weightlifting. She said that she found it addictive, not just physically, but psychologically. So she continued to train in weightlifting as she was getting her master's and studying and doing Taekwondo. Um, and her passion for weightlifting led her to qualify for the US Weightlifting National Championships in 2010. And it would have been her first national championships. And the rules stated that she had to wear a singlet. And as a devout Muslim woman, um, this required uniform would have exposed her arms and legs and gone completely against the modest dress that she had been wearing um, to keep with her religious beliefs. She'd been dressing in this way since she was a teenager. But the judges said that they needed to see the knees and elbows of the competitors in order to accurately judge the lifts. So she was at a complete crossroads between her personal beliefs and her passion for her sport. 
Her religious identity had become a roadblock to her athletic success. And she was in a spot where she did not want to give up either one. She did not want to compromise these two assets, aspects of her life. And it was through um, that she ended up developing a creative solution. She designed alternate uniforms. She gave presentations. She hired a lawyer to contest the dress code. And ultimately, she won the support of the Council for American Islamic Relations and the U.S. Olympic Committee. And a year later, in 2011, um, the International Weightlifting Federation ultimately changed its rules. And um, she was allowed to compete in a hijab and a full body leotard underneath her singlet. That same year, she became the first woman to compete for Pakistan in the World Weightlifting Championships. It was through her creativity and her determination that led to real meaningful change for her and for other women who were in her position. And that's just one of the stories that we have inside this book. Um, the book tells these incredible um, uplifting, inspiring stories. And each of the stories is also accompanied by illustrations from um, artists from all over the world. We have artists from Russia and Turkey and Mexico, um, Germany, the UK, um, just all over. And all of these stories are telling incredible um, just incredible stories of, of perseverance and creativity, um, rule changes, interesting, uplifting, some dark, some funny, quirky stories. And um, so this book um, tonight is up for auction. And um, I'm thrilled to be here and to share the story from the book. Um, Tonight's mission means a lot to me personally as a mom of two young girls. I have a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old, and my hope for them is that they grow up to have uh, meaningful, well-rounded, fulfilling lives. Um, so I'm thrilled to be here sharing the story and the book. Um, so please, you know, go ahead to the auction and uh, bid on it for this, you know, incredibly worthy cause. If you have any other questions about it, um, you can check out theychange.com for any more details. So thank you. Thank you, Ariana. That really was an awesome story. And like she said, there are so many other stories in this book and incredible illustrations. If you head over to shopthevirageproject.com, we have taken snapshots of this incredible digital art um, that some of the artists have created and contributed to this book um, and you can see it on the auction there's Billie Jean King there's Michael Jordan um, there is the athlete she just mentioned in this story there's so many amazing athletes um, and this is just a really cool twist um, bringing creativity and sports together with this book so thank you so much Ariana for uh, donating a book to this fundraiser to this art exhibition and for sharing it with our community okay we are going to move on here. Um, hope I went backwards. 
next up is Eleanor Cardozo and Emily McGee will be speaking on her behalf tonight. Yes, let me pull it up. Uh, like Taylor said, my name is Emily and I am presenting on behalf of Eleanor. I connected with her over Instagram and she is in Switzerland right now. So the time difference um, was a little much for her, but she was really excited about the Virago project. Um, and so I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about Eleanor. From age eight to 18, Eleanor competed professionally as a gymnast in England, but decided to study art as a profession when she retired. She trained in figurative sculpture at the City and Guild School of Art in London at the Florence Academy of Art in Italy. She has created bronze sculptures of gymnasts and dancers for 30 years. She exhibited her sculptures at the 2012 London Olympics with public monuments at Heathrow, Gatwick, Westminster Abbey, Kensington Palace, and Buckingham Palace since. The Telegraph called her exhibition, quote, one of the most inspiring and insightful Olympic-themed exhibitions taking place in London. Eleanor is actually selling a miniature version of the rhythmic gymnast bronze statue, Poise, which was displayed at the 2012 Olympic Games. And we have a little video of the, insta uh, the installation of it so you can see um, what she does. Okay, so that is Eleanor's work. It is incredible. Um, she's very talented. And um, yes, a, a mini sculpture of that piece of the larger piece that you saw being installed in front of Westminster Abbey is for auction on our website. So head over to shoptheviragoproject.com, click on Sportswomen Create, our exhibition tab, and you will see that there. The piece is called Poise. Okay, next up we have Sarah Ebner. Um, go for it, Sarah. Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Sarah Erdner, and I'm really excited to show you my piece I've created for this event. But here we are playing nice, pretending not to be traumatized, demoralized, terrified, seeking approval to ultimately be verified, rectified, clarified into some version of ourselves that we can no longer recognize. This is my body, your body, our body, both men and women's bodies, the yin and yang of the masculine and feminine energy synergizing emotionally capitalizing upon the right and left brain colliding, internalizing, and then verbalizing the need for the feminine to be prioritized, recognized. For once in our lives, the yin right brain nature within each of us to not be vilified. Men, take a moment to consider how you have been victimized. This is my body, your body, our body, not just women's bodies, every single body caught in the simulation of a patriarchal horror story. Again, my name is Dr. Sarah Erdner. After retiring from sport, I turned my academic career into my next athletic endeavor. I graduated with my PhD in sports psychology and motor behavior from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And I now serve as an assistant professor of coaching at Adams State University. I also am the author of the book, Dear Coach, What I Wish I Could Have Told You, Letters from Your Athletes. I share this most recent information about myself because it informs what inspires my art. 
As a researcher, I've interviewed a wide variety of people over the years. In my professional, but also in my personal life, one thing that has been most apparent is the one-sided story we often promote in our society. When considering the topic of sexism, we implicitly only think about the injustices acted upon women's bodies as often perpetuated by men. In hearing other stories though, as well as healing through my own, I've come to realize that we've done a terrible job at advocating for men. The things that are said to men, done to men, imposed upon men in order for them to be considered a good man. So I created this piece to call all of us into the conversation, not just women. Because for some silly reason, we've assigned masculinity as solely a male trait and femininity as exclusively a female trait, which has caused me a lot of grief over the years. As a self-identifying woman, I often feel viewed as a perversion when I enact masculine traits, when I command space in a room such as this, when I exercise my intelligence or I demonstrate resilience or resolve. It wasn't until I started going to counseling that I understood the true nature of the masculine and feminine energy. We all possess each of these energies equally. So while society would like to beat the masculinity out of me so that I'll present as a good woman via proper representations of femininity equated as being female, society has done the same to men, shaming them for showing any inkling of femininity, robbing men of the very essence that makes them who they are. What energy have you neglected over the years? What traits have you suffocated because society shamed it out of you? As Bell Hooks states in her book, The Will to Change, men, masculinity, and love. The true definition of integrity is when we allow our full selves to show up and be seen. The only way to achieve our own personal integrity is when we allow both energies, the masculine and feminine, to flow freely within us, to lead and then cry, to conquer and then be held, to command and then gently follow. It was never about an either or narrative what each of us has been enslaved to for all these years. We are all both and beings. The more each of us can carve out space within ourselves to be the latter, the more loving we can be towards others. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Laura. That was really, really powerful. Um, I see you've got a few claps here. You've got a lot of claps here. Um, but thank you just for that thoughtful piece. And again, uh, Sarah, this is a digital printout, correct? So this will this is on for auction on our website, our online storefront. Again, www.shoptheviragoproject.com. You will be able to bid on this piece, Intrastellar, until June first uh, at six p.m. ET. So head over if you're interested in that. Thank you, Sarah. All right, moving right along. Oh, Sarah's body again. Wonderful, powerful words. Next up, we have Hannah Hemmerly. Hello, my name is Hannah. And um, so a little background, I think my piece has a lot to do with my history with sports. So I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I started playing club soccer by the age of nine. It was just as many sportswomen know, like your entire life and just at the center of your world and how you operate through the world. So in many ways, when I look back on my life, my childhood, um, sports is at the foundation of that. 
So um, when I was 15, I tore my ACL for the first time. And then I then retore that knees ligament um, before my senior year. And then in college, I tore my other knees ACL. And I've had, I have for, I have a laterally torn meniscus and I've had two scopes so far and I need a third. So a lot of my history with sport is like this tortured love affair. And I wanted to approach a work of art through taking a portrait that was really about my history with sports. As a semi-recent college grad, I've been thinking a lot about the transformation of retirement and how that really forces you to reflect on how activity can just be an underlying narrator to most of your life and how, what has that narration been for me? So I decided to both be very focused on displaying a portrait, but also allow my emotions or how I was feeling at whatever day I sat down to do this to guide how I chose to create on that given day. So perhaps when I started this project, I did not realize how dark the piece was going to be, but now looking at it, I love that about it. There's this sense of sports. It's a very convoluted and twisted relationship for many athletes. It's your highest highs and your lowest lows. And there is a darkness to that story, but it's also this wonderful event and focal point to who you are as a person. So I really aim to touch upon that and talk about the growth that happens when sports is the constant throughout your life. You grow up with it, it's there through your family trauma, you growing into yourself, discovering who you are, learning how, what kind of player do you wanna be on the field, but also in life and who you are as a person in terms of character building. So I wanna take that perspective of sports as both like the best and also difficult thing that can happen and it can bring you such joy. And that joy is not negated by acknowledging how trying being an athlete also is and how it can wear on who you are, but it also makes you the person you are. And I also just wanna thank Virago Project for this amazing event. I'm so excited to see everyone's work and hear everyone's stories and celebrate how creativity which I know it's always been a constant in my life. It's showed that, yes, you have this passion for sport, a focus on being an athlete, but there are other things beyond athletics. Um, being an artist has always been that reminder to me in my life that there are other ways to succeed or to enjoy your time or to grow as a person other than what you're spending three hours a day doing and what your focus is. So. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Hannah. Um, Hannah's a friend of the Virago Project. Um, and if you haven't checked out her blog, um, HRH blog, um, and on Instagram at hrh.blog, uh, she talks about athletics and sport and identity and a lot of the themes that we are diving into here today through this event. So feel free to check her out there. And of course, this wonderful, dark, but beautiful piece uh, will be available on our online storefront and 
auction, the, uh, the starting bid is $50. So head over if you're interested in this. And thank you so much, Hannah. That was awesome. All right. Next up, we have Katie Schofield. Hi. Hi, everyone. Katie here. Um, I'm speaking from New Zealand. So I know uh, it's nice to see other nationalities represented here. And I also just want to share my thanks as well to the Virago Project for putting on this event. Um, this is something I haven't done before. So uh, it's really exciting. One to be a part of it, but also to see all the other artists and hear their stories. So um, I guess I have been a creative soul um, growing up. I loved colouring and drawing and painting. Um, and through, I guess, through school, I was he heavily involved in art. But when I started university, um, art kind of fell, on, fell off. Um, but I found art again while I was actually cycling. So my background is in track cycling. I was involved in the national program, um, retired in 2016. And throughout my, my journey of my athletic career, I found art to be really cathartic and it really gave me a space um, to show my creativity. And I love bold colors. I love simple um, patterns and designs. And I've recently just pivoted towards doing more digital art and moving away from sketching and painting. So art really came back into my life and it kicked off by needing to fundraise for a, um, a time overseas to compete and to train so the way I um, funded that trip was through my art pieces and that's what kind of re relit my passion and drive for creating art um, and it was also such a great time to sit and recover you know when you're training so hard in the day I'm such a busy body that just sitting down and relaxing and using art more for mental health as well, just a bit of a balance between training full time. So the piece I created for this event is really based around the theme of body image. And coming out of elite sport, um, I found a bit of a struggle with how my body was changing. It wasn't as strong as what it was as an elite, an elite athlete. It wasn't as muscular, it wasn't as lean. And so I was really toying with where my body fit in society. And then it came around like, you see on social media and you see, um, you know, when you go into a store or something and someone might ask you, okay, so you have an hourglass body shape or you might have a pear shape or a heart shape or rectangular. And it's just this kind of, you fit into a box. Um, so I was playing with this idea and um, just coming to the fact that you just love your body, no matter what and what shape it is in, um, or what shape, I guess, it could be related to. And that's where, I guess, the title of this is, is Love Your Shape on Repeat. So it's just a reminder every day 
no matter how you're feeling, you love your body, love your shape, do it every day. So that's where the repeating process comes in. Um, love hearts in, in every one of those shapes and just making it quite a clean, simple um, a design, really, that is quite eye-catching. Um, so, yeah, that's really my piece there. Um, it will be like a digital print. So the size of it is A2, oh, A3. So that's 420 by around 300 millimeters, I believe. Um, yeah, so that's my piece. Thank you so much, Katie. Such good reminders. And I feel like so many sportswomen can relate to the theme of body image and loving your shape regardless of a good day or a bad day. It's hard to do, but having this on a wall somewhere would definitely be a nice reminder <laughs> to do so. So thank you so much for creating this beautiful piece. Um, and again, this will be available for sale, not for auction. So um, on our online storefront. So the first person to put it in their shopping cart and check out, that's that's who it goes to. Um, so feel free to visit shoptheviragoproject.com. Thanks so much, Katie. Okay, next up, and here's a blow up of it. Next up, we have Haley Bianco. Hi, everyone. Um, so like I said, my name is Haley Bianco, and I am currently still in college. I am going to my junior year at North Park University in Chicago, and I'm studying art in college with a concentration in graphic design and also advertising. Um, I'm also a current women's volleyball player and outside of school, um, I'm a very active advocate for mental health awareness and I actively work for the Hidden Opponent, which is an organization that exists to raise awareness for student athlete mental health similar to the Virago Project. As much as I've struggled with my own mental health, that's what's really brought me to my art career because it's always been an outlet for me, a very therapeutic outlet, and I would have never imagined myself going to college to study art. That was not at all what I had planned for my life, but it's where I ended up. So, and I'm very thankful for that. But now I create art to bring a sense of joy to someone else's darkness. And I aim to make people feel understood and accepted even in the midst of their chaos. And I use a lot of different mediums specifically with graphic design, but I also like using um, paints and printmaking techniques. And you'll see that a lot of my work, specifically this one, you see a lot of flowers and butterflies within my work. And that's a symbol, that's a symbolize of growth, freedom, and unique beauty. And I also very use very happy color palettes for a joyful feeling. Um, this piece specifically was originally creating using intaglio printmaking process. And so basically I took a copper plate and I etched it with an etching needle and um, use a soft ground to put that lace into the background. And um, it came out, I really did love the original print. It came out like this, it is black and white. And I made this just with a printing press, but with some couple simple edits, I scanned it into my Photoshop and I inverted the colors, added a layer mask to make that butterfly. And that's how I got this. And now I printed it as a high quality poster. So it's about 14 by 22. It is a large quality print. And the story behind this piece, it is titled Stuck Between Freedom and Death. And the story lies between the juxtaposition between the skeleton hand representing death and the butterfly representing freedom. 
And these two polar opposite objects are combined to represent the freedom that is found in growth, but also the pain of letting go of the past and who you used to be. And for me personally, my freedom has been finding myself and embracing the true me, but my death has been everyone else's expectations of me and who I'm supposed to be. And while it's been painful to let go of who I used to be to truly be who I'm supposed to be, living to only please myself and do what truly makes me happy has allowed me to flourish and experience the true joy of life. But my biggest struggle, um, something that we all as athletes always face is finding identity outside of sports. And I've always had a really good understanding of who I was outside of being an athlete. But what I really wasn't getting was realizing what truly matters to me in life besides for what matters to my team and the team goals. And it's really been an ongoing journey, but I continue to grow every day, but I keep listening to my heart and that's what's been leading me in life. And a butterfly doesn't always know where they're going, but they do spread beauty wherever they go. Thank you so much, Haley. That was so insightful. And I'm, I'm still just in awe at how young you are yet. So, you know, internally aware. Um, so this is really, really cool. And, um, yeah, this, this piece of art stuck between freedom and death. Again, if you are interested in the printout, I think it's, it's pretty large as Haley mentioned. So, um, that would be look really awesome somewhere on a wall. Um, but it is for auction on our online storefront. So feel free to check it out there. Support Haley, support the Virago Project, support this cause. Um, so thank you so much, Haley. That was, that was incredible. Okay, next up we have Hallie Glear. Um, hi, uh, my name is Hallie Gleer. Um, I am a digital and watercolor artist. Um, I'm from a really small town in Western Massachusetts where from the age of 13, I started running track and cross country. Um, I did that for six years. And then when I went to college, I walked onto my varsity rowing team at Clark University, um, became captain and eventually assistant coach. Um, while I was there, I also studied international development and forced migration, got my master's um, and published an academic paper on research I did at the US-Mexico border. Um, and today I recently, I graduated um, about a year ago and I work at a nonprofit as a case manager for disadvantaged youth. Um, I'm still a long distance runner and I recently just got back into rowing uh, every day. So that's been awesome. Um, it was actually only since I had some separation from sports teams that I really reconnected with art. Um, art helps me understand where I've been, what's happening in the world around me. Um, and I also find it's a really great outlet for all of the beauty. My like artist brain is absor absorbing and observing while I'm doing the sports that I do. Um, so to make this piece uh, that I'm calling Head in the Boat, um, I painted an abstract watercolor, which was actually originally bright blue. Um, and then I scanned it into my iPad to mess with it digitally and raise the saturation and mess with the color curves um, and add some digital illustrations. So most of the pink and red and purples that you're seeing are uh, digitally collaged watercolor and the boat and people are digital drawings. 
Um, so for this piece, I was inspired by my favorite quote um, from the book Le Petit Prince. Uh, the quote goes, it is the time you waste on your rose that makes your rose so important. I first heard this quote several years ago and immediately resonated with it and identified rowing as my rose. Um, I literally got a tattoo on my arm <laughs> to honor my love for the sport and athleticism in general. Um, but on a larger scale, I think this quote um, where there's there can be a narrative of you have to put all the time you have into your sport uh, to the point where it is your identity in order to be good or seen as valid or see yourself as valid in doing that sport. Um, personally, that level of intensity and commitment brings out a part of myself that I really love. Um, I love being hardcore and pushing my limits and dedicating all of my energy into one thing. Um, but with some separation from sports teams, I've also realized that that can be a really blinding place um, to the other things happening around you in your life and also to all the other parts of yourself that you don't even have the chance to recognize. Um, so I chose to put myself, the, the front rower in this picture, um, inside of a rose to portray that experience. Um, but also you're in a rose, you're in a really beautiful place that's full of um, trust and commitment and time. Um, yeah, so that is what I'm trying to portray here is that, that tension and dichotomy of the, the athlete and, and especially female athlete identity. Um, yeah, and also I just wanna say thank you so much to all of the other artists here and the Virago Project and everyone here for listening. This is my first ever art exhibition and it's a really great healing, uh, inspiring experience. So thank you. Thank you so much, Haley. This is amazing. Hallie, sorry, this is amazing. And um, wow, I mean, I can't believe you started with watercolor and then went into your iPad and did this. I mean, it's just crazy what people can create these days with technology and art. Uh, it's just incredible. But the theme of identity um, and the difference between who you are as a person and who you are as an athlete and the, the good and the bad and that is something we all here can really identify with. So thank you so much for expressing that through this wonderful piece. And again, you guys, this is also on our auction on our online storefront. So feel free to check that out, shopthevirageproject.com, uh, starting at 90. Uh, thank you so much, Haley. This is beautiful. Hallie, sorry. <laughs> All right, next up, we have Natalie McDonald. Um, hello, everybody. So this, this is please here. Um, for a lot of you who don't know who I am, my name is Sally McDonald. Um, I wow, I don't know what to say about myself. Um, I started off as a soccer player. I used to play soccer every day. Started when I was five, and then I moved on to basketball when I went to high school. And then I, after I went to university, I just lost it. I lost. I lost what I wanted to do when I was in grade 12. I had a coach tell me that all I wanted to do was be a runner. I wanted to learn how to run and I wanted to run fast. And I just knew that. And I knew I wanted to run long and fast, but this coach told me that I didn't have the body. I didn't have the body to be a runner. And so I stopped. <laughs> I listened and that was ridiculous of me. And I realized that now. Um, and a few years ago, 
I used to work for the city and I would clean the beaches in the morning and I would see these athletes get in the water and swim and they would swim at seven o'clock in the morning. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, I want to do that. Like I can do that. I want to do that. Um, and then I started talking to some of the athletes and they're like, well, why don't you volunteer for the Penticton challenge, which is a triathlon race. I was like, okay. And so I volunteered in the medical tent and I saw these athletes come through and just, they would, they would just collapse at the end. Like they pushed themselves so hard to get through, to get to this point. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to get there. I want to be so tired and have pushed myself so hard that I need an IV. When I now realize it's not where you all want to be. You don't want to be at the med tent at the end of the race. But the piece I created was, which is what's behind me now. There's a moment in, I'm a morning person. That's me for sure. But there is a moment in where if there's just a, a moment of stillness when you're in the lake first thing in the morning, it's six o'clock in the morning, the sun hasn't quite come up yet and the clouds are pink and it's just, the sun's just about to come up and you just have this calm. Nothing else matters. You're just in that moment, experiencing that moment. When you're on the bike, first thing in the morning, it's five o'clock, you started, you're on the other side. I live on one side of the lake. When you go around the other, same thing. It's just, all you hear is the wind. There's nothing else. It's just you. When you're running and all you hear are the footsteps, there's nothing else. It's just you. And to start a triathlon, usually it's first thing in the morning because <laughs> they're long and there's nothing else. Right before the gun goes off, there's nothing else. It's just you. It's just you in that moment, in that freeing section, when you are in so much pain and you just keep, keep going and there's nothing else around you. You can't hear the crowd. You can't hear the whistles. You can't hear the bells. It's just you. And those are the moments that I live for. Those are the moments I love and that's why I create a lot of my art is to relive those moments when I'm not in the lake, when I'm not on the running, when I'm not biking. It's just to have that moment where you can just let go and just let go of anything, every stress, every problem, every issue, and just be there. Just be in that moment. And that's what I created today was in the clouds. So thank you. <laughs> thank you to everybody. Thank you to the Virago Project. Thank you to all the artists. And thank you to everyone who listened today. Thank you so much, Natalie. That was amazing. Um, I love that we have some triathlon, some triathlete representation here. I feel like we don't we don't get that so much. So this is an amazing piece and I feel peaceful just looking at it. So next time I go for a hard run, I'm definitely gonna like try and channel this piece in my mind. <laughs> and when it's at that last minute and I'm just like dead, just, be with the stillness. This is such a great reminder and expression of that. So thank you so much. Okay, we're moving on. Next up, we have Alice Chin Taylor. 
Hi, um, my name is Alice Chen Taylor, and I'm very excited to be part of this exhibition, and I'm thankful that you're here. Um, I'm from Princeton, New Jersey, and I played golf at Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina, before playing professionally on the LPGA Symmetra Tour. Um, I'm a potter and I've been working with clay for about three to four years now and um, I currently teach pottery classes at the Quinlan Visual Arts Center here in Gainesville, Georgia. Um, today I'm presenting this set of dinnerware which I've titled Every Vessel Serves a Purpose and it's a collection that communicates through an emphasis of different forms how a plate, a bowl, um, a ramekin, the floral ramekin, um, and a cup all serve different purposes, just like each of us. Um, all of us carry different stories and we know different people, we work different jobs, we uh, all have different interests. And while we certainly share commonalities as we embrace our humanity and the human experience, we are still unique. And I believe we were created intentionally and that we each have a unique purpose to carry out that was meant to be solely ours. And oftentimes we're sent messages to not be ourselves. As sportswomen, I'm sure we have all heard a variety of things to be more like her or practice like that teammate or to be more muscular, be more slim. Don't lift weights, you're doing too much cardio. Oh, now you're not doing enough. But you're always enough. You've always been enough and you always will be. Um, your inherent value and purpose makes you so worthy. So we don't eat cereal and milk um, from a plate and we don't eat pizza from a cup. A plate with its large and flat surface area was made to hold a meal. And in contrast, a cup with taller walls is made to hold something to drink. So if you're the only Chinese American in your community, embrace it. If you're really interested in art outside of your sport, embrace it. Your differences matter and they should not be ignored. Um, they are seen and valued. The ways in which we are different lend strength in multidimensional spaces which means we are better together. Just like this set of four different forms, each serving a unique purpose, but working best together. So be fully who you are. My hope with this collection is to encourage you to see your inherent value and purpose and to believe it um, because that internal confidence is more secure than any type of external praise you could receive. So even when it's scary, I hope that this collection reminds you to courageously step into authenticity and integrity. If you're familiar with my work, I tend to use a lot of color, but for this collection, I really wanted to emphasize these simple and refined forms. I chose the dark clay to express depth to who we are and to be as bold and daring as its color. And I chose the clear glaze so it conveys that who we are on the inside should be who we are on the outside as well. 
I'm auctioning this set and it's microwave and dishwasher safe, um, but light warming and hand washing are recommended. Uh, the dimensions of each piece are listed on the Virago project storefront. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to email or message me on Instagram. Um, just thank you so much for attending tonight and a big thank you to the Virago project for putting on tonight and for all that you do for sports women. Thank you so much, Alice. This is so thoughtful. Um, I never would have imagined so much meaning could be behind, you know, ceramic plates and cups, but the way that you just explained that I felt in every piece of my body. So thank you so much for that incredibly thoughtful and amazing presentation and for creating these beautiful pieces. Um, this of course is, as Alice mentioned, on our storefront. So feel free to visit Shop of Virago Project, go ahead and bid. Um, we have some really nice pictures of these pieces staged with food courtesy of Alice. So you can actually eat from them and they can remind you to be your most true, authentic um, and transparent self. So thank you so much, Alice. All right, next up we have Allison Need. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Allison. Um, I'm really excited to be here with these incredible artists and athletes and thankful for this space to share our stories. It's comforting to hear other people's stories that seem similar to mine and, and similar struggles. Um, so I appreciate everyone sharing. My background in sports is in gymnastics and diving. I started gymnastics when I was two. I did that very competitively until I was 12 when I fractured vertebrae in my lower back. After that, I was told I didn't have to do gymnastics anymore, but I had to pick a sport. So I picked diving. I ended up diving through college. I was on the swim and dive team at the University of South Carolina, where I specialized in platform diving, which are the solid high dives for anyone not familiar. Um, throughout my whole life and athletic career, art was something I had that was just mine. It was my escape from gymnastics, which I didn't have a say in doing, but creating art gave me an identity apart from being an athlete. The environment I grew up in was very results oriented, where my worth felt directly related to how good I was doing at everything. So my art was my form of therapy to do something that I liked, and it didn't matter what the results were. So this painting is about my journey after retiring from sports and trying to mend the damage that's been done to my body and mind throughout my career as an athlete. I longed for my whole life to be at this point where I don't have to be doing sports anymore, but I was unprepared for the toll they had taken on my body and the depression that I would battle in the years to come. After retiring a year early from college diving due to injuries, I was left to patch myself up on my own. It's funny how important you are when you're earning points for your school or fame for your coaches. And when you're not able to do that anymore, you're tossed aside like you didn't give your body and soul for them. And I've asked myself, why did I give my body and soul for them? Why would I kill myself over sports that I didn't even like doing? And I realized um, much later, I mean, I just wanted to be good enough. Um, I wanted to be good enough for my parents who were so adamant that I would be an Olympian. I wanted to be good enough for my coaches 
who were so good at manipulating us to believe our worth was reliant upon how we did at that meet or practice. And when I wasn't good enough, I was met with physical and emotional punishments from coaches, silent treatment from my parents, and only the broken bones and scars to show for how hard I tried to please them. So that's what is depicted here in my painting. And I'll bring it up here too, um, just for reference. Uh, so the materials used were acrylic paint and thread. I hand sewed the stitches um, to show my most recent injuries on my wrist and neck. And the stitching in the head represents the work I've been doing in therapy to unlearn some of the conditioning that was trained into me from such a young age um, that my worth is dependent on the results I'm producing. The colors spilling out of my head read not good enough which I made hard to read because um, it took a long time to figure out that that was where my depression was stemming from. The background I made look kind of like a black hole um, because that's how my mind has felt in the recent months and years after sports. Um, my thoughts start to spiral and suck me into a, a dark place. Um, after I retired and no longer had people pointing out when I wasn't good enough, I took that job upon myself, which is why the words are coming out of my head and not from somewhere else. The healing process for mental health and real life is obviously a little more complicated than just stitching up a cut and moving on. It's been a lot of learning patience for myself and being kind to myself, both physically and mentally. Just like in the painting, the work I'm doing to patch myself can be hard and painful, but I'm grateful to have a therapist I trust and friends that encourage me to continue in my healing process and show me that I am inherently valuable by just being me. So thank you guys. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for sharing this with us and not just your journey, um, but this part about not knowing until later where these these feelings were coming from of not being good enough. I feel like so many sports women can relate to that. And sometimes hind hindsight is 2020. And when we're done, we realize, hey, this, this crazy thing that we did as athletes, as competitive athletes, it was a great ride. But also sometimes, you know, you, you start to realize there are there are definitely some dark times and, you know, coaches aren't always aren't always treating us the right way. Sometimes we're doing it for others. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing this. Um, and I know so many people can relate to this. So really appreciate this beautiful work you created, this theme and everything. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Leah Graham. Perfect. Thank you. Um, yeah. So my name is Leah Graham. Um, born and raised in California, Central California, and grew up playing soccer from super young age. Um, started out in ballet, and my parents realized that was definitely not the sport for me. So we transitioned into soccer, and that's what it was since. Um, played about 16 years of my life and played at the um, junior college and Division II levels. Um, for me, I think even looking back um, at to, you know, what I'm looking for in my career, um, the steps that I've taken to get to even being here right now and opening myself up and being vulnerable, 
um, the highs and lows that I experienced as an athlete definitely transformed me into the person I am. And I think that's a lot of the stories that we're hearing today. And it's really amazing to hear just the different paths that everyone's been on when it's, it's so different yet. It's so similar for so many of us. Um, so from the leadership positions to the injuries um, and everything in between, it really brought me to creating this piece. Um, for me, art was always a part of me just as um, my athletic side was. I identified as an athlete, obviously from a young age, all the way up through college. Um, I never truly identified myself um, as an artist and it was always something that was in the background for me. Um, and I think that's a lot of it comes from, you know, maybe an artist or being an artist isn't as cool as being that athlete or just a lot of different things. So I, I never exposed that side of myself um, until I retired from playing. So I have been, let's see, retired for a year and a half now from being an athlete or competing as an athlete. Um, and it really wasn't until then that I really combined the two. So I really put together my athletic um, and artistic identities together. And this piece honestly is one of the first pieces that I've really combined the two. Um, leading up as well to my what I'm looking to do in my career, um, I want to be a certified mental performance coach. I want to work um, with athletes. I want to work with female athletes and work to empower them to be the leaders that they were born to be. Um, I want to show them, you know, a lot of what we're talking about is they're not just athletes and want them to be able to show their vulnerable selves in the inside of them. Um, Cause that's something I wasn't able to do. So that's a lot of where I'm coming from. So with creating this, I came from a place. Um, so the black writing that you're seeing is basically the whole piece is made out of acrylics um, and honestly just a black pen and the black is an outline of all words that I thought defined me as an athlete, um, the only the outside saw. So a lot of what society says, a lot of what coaches see, um, and all of the above, and none of that the inside, right? So it's a lot of the positives, the dedication, the hard work, the leadership, um, being a captain, and all those different things that come with being an athlete, when in reality, it's all the stuff inside. Um, and that's where the vulnerable inside, I, I named this piece um, to be came from. And I think for me, so the whitewash in the background is just a mix of all the words that have come out um, and really created me as an athlete and as a person um, that no one else sees. And it's all the things, you know, that society doesn't see, the coaches never saw. Um, and a lot of just my steps to healing in retiring as an athlete. So that's where a lot, or this is where this came from. Um, for me, I, it's, it was really amazing working on this and just, it was a step in healing for me as well, creating this piece um, and really figuring out this is, this is truly where I'm at um, in this process, being so recently out of sport. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a learning process. For all of us um, but overall that's where I came from with this um, so 
same thing. Thank you so much to the Rago Project um, for putting this on, allowing me to be a part of it. Um, something that definitely took a big step for me in being vulnerable and authentic. Um, and that wanting to do that for other athletes is what truly encouraged me to do this. So thank you. Um, that's it. Thank you so much, Leah. That was beautiful. And I, I mean, wow, just how you are expressing the identity theme here. Once again, we've see, we see it so much in athletics, even in other artists, but uh, here tonight have mentioned it, but this is so unique the way you've touched on it. And I love seeing the contrast between the black and what society expects, um, what's, what's written in black versus what society expects and what's written in white, white and what you know is true about yourself. So this is really, really a cool idea. And thank you so much, Leah, for creating. Last but not least, we have Marin Schellenberg. Hello all. As you can see on the screen, my name is Marin Schellenberg and I'm here tonight to present my artwork to you all. But first I'd like to introduce myself and why I chose to focus on recovery as the moral of my artwork. I am like by far the youngest person here tonight. Um, I'm a sophomore at high, in high school at Emmaus High School where I run varsity track and field. And I also play club soccer for Western Lehigh United. Athletics have always been an outlet of expression for me. Showing up to the field and giving it my all is what I lived for. However, this was taken away during my eighth grade year, right before my high school soccer season when I got hit in the head with the ball and was later diagnosed with a severe concussion. The year that followed was full of physical, occupational, and optical therapy. Now, if you have had or know anyone who's had a concussion, you would know that when concussed, you aren't supposed to use technology. And because of my eye tracking issue, I couldn't really read either. This left me a phone addicted teenager, very isolated from my friends and the world around me and athletics as I couldn't perform. Um, this left my family, bless their souls, with a very bored and agitated teenager sulking around the house for the majority of most days. This all changed when my mother suggested, why don't you come to the studio with me for today? Um, for some background, my mother has owned a small business pottery studio called Paints and Pottery since I was two. In an angsty act of desperation, I reluctantly followed her to the car and to the studio. There was never a light bulb moment that art could be my tool of expression and a support system for me, as I had practically been raised in the studio and had enjoyed the arts my whole life. This was demonstrated through dance classes at a young age, community theater productions, and even a meager attempt at the saxophone. Slowly but surely, I began to love them again, the arts. Instead of Thursday night practice under the lights, my nights became full of rough sketches under a desk lamp. And slowly I started to get better, both at painting and through physical therapy. As progress continued, I even found myself warming up in the stadium with my team on the first game back. While I was healing, I spent most nights and days dedicated to my artistic work. And now that I'm back to my dearly beloved Saturday morning practices and Friday night games, I'm proud to say I still make time for my creativity. This work represents the long and difficult recovery process. As the journey to remission is specific to the individual, so is my painting. The continuous lines of the hand-drawn and painted mandala convey the message of healing through the interdependence of the structure and texture found on the canvas. This painting also features affirmational words of encouragement and healing that you can see through the upper layers of the painting. As I mentioned, the painting has many layers. So, do, so does the recovery process. It's not always linear and it takes a long time, but with hard work and dedication, 
you will be remiss. As mentioned before, I've always been an artistic person, but it wasn't until I depended it on it as a form of expression through this difficult era that I learned how much my creativity meant to me and my mental health. At first, I believe, believed that artist sportswoman was a very niche subset of people. However, through the journey of making this piece and even being here with all these wonderful role models, I have realized that it is critical that every woman in sports have a secondary form of expression to guide their character and to support their spirits, especially in difficult times like these. I would like to end with how much this chance means to me and how thankful I am for you all to be here listening to me and all of these other lovely artists. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much, Marin. That was beautifully said and expressed. And this is such an amazing piece. Um, I'm glad that you were able to heal from your concussion and make your way, find your way back on the field. Um, this piece will be for sale <clears throat> on our website, Storefront. Uh, again, head over to shopthevirago.project.com. And thank you so much, Marin, for that beautiful speech. I can tell you put so much thought into that and into this piece. So very, very excited. All right, with that said, it is now 8.21 and we are just going to open up the floor. Um, so anyone who has any questions for the artist, um, artist, if you have questions for other artists, we're gonna take about 15, uh, 10 minutes to do that before wrapping up for the night. So uh, the floor is open. Feel free to uh, put your message into the chat. Um, you can direct it at someone um, in particular, or you can direct it at the group. And Emily, if you just want to take the questions and read them um, as they pop up in the chat, that would be great. That sounds good. Um, while we give people a chance to type, I wanted to start with Sarah, who um, is actually the author of the book we're giving away. I've seen throughout this thing, we've already had some people sharing on Instagram. Um, so Sarah, if you would um, tell a little more about your book and what prompted you to write it and how you think it'll help the athletic community. Yeah, of course. Um, thank you so much for the question. So um, I wrote a book recently, Dear Coach, What I Wish I Could Have Told You, Letters from Your Athletes. And um, this particular book was inspired by uh, my dissertation. So I don't know if you can see, that's the front of it. Um, so in my dissertation, when I was doing my PhD, I interviewed athletes about how they felt their coach influenced them when bouncing back from major stress. So some things we talked about today, concussions, depression. Um, when I had those interviews with athletes, what I thought was going to be 60 to 90 minute interviews ended up being two and a half to three hour long conversations because it was the first time somebody that wasn't a teammate or a parent had asked them about their experience. So when I defended my dissertation, my entire committee said, hey, um, we don't want you to submit this to a research journal, which is what is the common theme to do. You need to write a book. And so I wrote this uh, not only for athletes to provide them a space to advocate for their stories, but it's also something that coaches and speaking with them. Uh, I actually used to be a mental strength coach for the Pittsburgh Pirates, which is a major league baseball team. Um, so I've been through the uh, college, Olympic and professional circuit of which I have heard coaches talk about wanting to hear more about what athletes thought. So this book is written both for athletes, but also for coaches. Um, more so, yes, to give athletes a platform, not necessarily to say, hey, coaches, you need to do better, but it's to advocate for coaches as well, because we've done a really lousy job of providing coaches with 
proper information on what athletes need from them. So the way the book is set up is it's letters written by athletes, they're confidential letters on what they wish they could have told their coach, but never did. And so there's 30 letters featured. There are 11 thank you letters that talk about, hey, thank you coach in detail on what they did that they enjoyed. Um, and then the rest of the letters are more critical in nature that say, hey, this is what I wish this is what I didn't like that you did. This is what I wish you would have done. So it's really informative for coaches as well. Um, I've had coaches, parents, athletes alike, uh, even people wanting to get into sport that are youth age talk about how this book has been very powerful from a hashtag me too with athletes reading it, as well as coaches saying, hey, this is really great and really helping me learn um, how to better show up for the athletes. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, she signed a copy, sent it on to us. So we'll be giving that away um, at the end of this auction. So uh, thank you again so much, so much. It's I'm, I think it's really cool because a lot of us didn't really get necessarily involved until it was um, after like our sport experience. So having that retrospective is a great chance to learn. Um, so thank you so much for doing that. I think that's something that will be really helpful. And so I guess, so the next question is going to be for current athlete, Haley, um, since you've done work with the Virago project now and hit an opponent, um, which is like you said, another organization that helps with athlete mental health as a current athlete, a lot of times like Taylor and I started the Virago project, looking back at, you know, things we wish we would have had there. How have you found that this is beneficial for you as a current athlete? And why did you start to get involved in these organizations? And, and how do you see it helping as a current athlete? So um, the hidden opponent has been a really large part of like my recovery in helping me get the help that I needed. And the biggest thing I've like discovered since I started opening up, I've been an um, open advocate for mental health since 2018. And the biggest thing I've realized is that I was never alone in the struggle. And that's everyone like wants to convince you that you're alone. You're the only one going through these difficulties when in reality, everyone around us is going through similar struggles, but no one talks about it. And so my intent when I talk open so openly about my mental health on all my social media and which eventually led me to the hidden opponent is I wanna share the pain so that others know that they aren't alone. And another thing is the community that the hidden opponent provides me and other athletes across the country is just really amazing to see. And if you really do feel like you're alone, you have no one to go to, the hidden opponent really does provide that service. And being a current athlete, they listen to me. They know my experiences. They know me as a person at, and as an athlete. And they really do genuinely care about me as an all around person. And that's, what's been super impactful in being a mental health advocate in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. I think normalizing it since we, we typically, um, felt like we were going through it alone. So I think that that's uh, a great point that it's to start normaling those conversations so that team culture can start to change and have those conversations earlier is definitely something that I think is important. So thank you for that. Um, and thank you for sharing today and after. Um, I just wanted to bring quick attention uh, to the chat. If you guys are looking, um, Sarah provided where her uh, book is also. If you don't want to risk the giveaway or you're not an Instagram person, um, check, out, check that out there as well. All right. I have a question for Allison. 
Um, Allison, you mentioned picking up, quote unquote, picking up the job of criticizing yourself that many of our coaches and parents used to do. Have you found a way to quit that voice in your head or is this something that uh, is ongoing in your recovery? The recovery is definitely ongoing. It's a good question. <laughs> let me let me think about my answer. Um, well, I definitely think that finding a support system wherever you land after sports and after uh, you graduate is has been super crucial for me. Uh, I have never, I think, really had that secure group where I could openly talk to people and that they would have no judgments and um, be there for me in my recovery process. So that's been really important. A therapist has been very important, um, continued work with that. And I think, um, I think also getting over that voice has been kind of, um, well, I'm an art teacher and I started that this year. And I think trying to share my experience, well, I'm also a swim coach too at the same school. Um, I'm not a great on the spot person, but this is also my first art exhibition. So I'm a little nervous, but yeah. So I think being able to share with my students and athletes kind of the experience one in the art room that I was given as my escape, like literally the art room, I ate lunch in the art room. Like I did, I, that's where I was. Um, and so giving, being able to give them that escape and then in being a coach, which I never thought I would be a coach, being able to give people what I was not given, um, or given just, you know, just from very select few coaches has been really healing for me. Um, just being able to be there for them as a whole person and not just as an athlete. So I think giving back those things helps a lot, but it is an ongoing thing of just trying to be kind, honestly. And, and one thing that has kind of actually helped in particular is if I'm having one of those kind of spiraling thoughts, like I mentioned of, um, whatever it's about, of picturing someone who is one of my close support peoples, what would they be saying versus what am I saying? Um, Cause most of the time that would be a lot kinder than maybe what I'm saying, or even what would I be saying to them? Cause I would never speak to someone else that way that I care about. Um, so why would I speak to myself that way? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And that's almost one of the correlations I think art and athletics sometimes have is that need to be perfect. And when you have coaches your whole life telling you these things in your head, of course, you're going to continue that mantra in your head. So I think that's a really good point because of the things that it's very true of the things that you notice about yourself or your art even are not, like you said, the things that a loved one or a friend, like you would never think that about someone else's if you were able to turn it. So I think that's really great advice. Um, and yeah, so that is all the questions we had, Taylor. So I will uh, kick it back to you. Thank you, um, all three of you, for answering those. 
Thank you guys. Um, and artists, we will send an email out after this event so you guys can have each other's uh, uh, emails and ask each other questions and get each, you know, reach out to each other if you want to. Maybe we can have another Powell after this too. Um, but that is it for our virtual art exhibition. Thank you all so much for coming. Um, a few reminders before you go. Well, actually first, can we just like give a round of applause to every single artist and speaker that talked here because you guys crushed it. Um, this was our first virtual art exhibition. I know this was a lot of people's first art exhibition. Um, and I think we did pretty damn good like across the board. So let's just all like, Pat ourselves on the back. We made it. Woo. All right. Um, couple of reminders. So you can purchase the art you saw in today's exhibition. Not all of them are for sale or for auction, but you can visit our website. The link is here at the bottom of this slide. Go to shopthebaragoproject.com. 90% of these proceeds um, are going back to the artists themselves. We charge a 10% commission for setup and promo, um, but go support these artists. Um, uh, visit Shop the Virago Project, um, check them out, uh, and they will ship They will ship their works to you um, within seven business days of your purchase. The auction ends, again, just for a reminder, so you know this, June 1, which is Tuesday or next, not, not this coming Tuesday, but the next Tuesday, and it's the day after Memorial Day. So um, be sure to keep checking the website, put your bids in on these amazing pieces. Um, but that is it. Be sure to follow us um, on Instagram at the Virago Project. We will continue pumping and promoting these pieces and everything that we did here tonight. Uh, but thank you all so much for coming. And we will um, hopefully have something like this again.